Whoa, and stop like, right there. Yes, I knew it. The U.S. strikes back, killing a member of the Islamic State. Whole world doing shit. Welcome to Planet Rage, the intersection of insanity and madness. Here are your hosts, Larry Blydner and Darren O'Neill. Hello and welcome to episode number 62 of Planet Rage. It is December 12th, which we rarely mention, but it's because it's old Blue Eyes birthday. It's good to do a show on Frank's birthday. Larry has muted himself. Or is it clean feed right out of the gate? I did that. <laughs> Just wanted to fuck with you a little. Thank, thank you very much. <laughs> that, how else does the rage happen if not for that? Okay, exactly. Larry, I've had a Dave Ramsey me. I'm going to mute me. How's that? <laughs> I've got some Dave too. I don't know if we're getting to Dave, but be like, all right, I'm done with you, Larry. That's it. This is the quickest show ever. Fuck yeah, me. Let's, let's talk about the donors and then we can go. <laughs> yeah, if you get the rage in quick, it's one of those things. Yeah. Boom. Mission accomplished. I guess it's one of those things. Sometimes a quickie's okay. <laughs> Chicago, six dead, 25 shot this weekend. Six dead, 25. That's a 25% kill rate. All right. I mean, they're getting as better, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Getting better, getting worse. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, hey, it's colder. Hey. The colder it gets. Then, I mean, you start doing more drive-bys, I guess. And then you have the heater sure. on in the car. Yeah. It's got to it's be the weather. Got to be. Then you bring just, yeah, you could just fire right through somebody's front door. It's Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's why there's so many of these, uh, not just in Chicago, but the retail thefts. I can't even imagine trying to run a company the size of like a Walgreens or a Target and looking at your bottom line with how much money is just walking out the door. And then. Oh. The people yeah. get upset. I mean, there's been grocery stores in the bad neighborhoods here in Chicago mm. where then they go after like, how could Whole Foods leave? And Whole Foods is like, we were getting robbed nonstop. Yeah. Can't make sure. money. Yep. And then everybody's surprised. Like, oh my, how could you leave that neighborhood? That's so racist. It's like, well, no. Jet bent. <laughs> Pretty much. You know, it comes back to the old thing. I mean, the, 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 the lefty assholes say. Poverty causes crime. No, crime causes poverty. That's how it works. And the people that are in the poverty quite often then are the victims of said crime. So always. Yeah, sure. You know, they're the ones that can very least afford it for those who've Mm -hmm. got some cash. You know, if you get something stolen, you're like, well, you probably got insurance. You'll replace it. Yeah. But no, that's uh, the irony of that is. The whole concept of lessening the amount of police officers that are on a beat or the irony of the district attorneys that don't want to prosecute crimes. It's like, who do you think you're hurting? Hmm. It is a little bit bizarre. 
Yeah, well, we know. We've agreed. It's all part of the plan to crash the system. And that it is. It is. It is all a part of the plan to crash the system. And it appears to be working to a it certain does. a certain level. Mm-hmm. The the Twitter fallout has been interesting. Elon just keeps finding more. God love him. You know, he, he should watch for those uh, small planes and hot tubs. He should. I don't want to buy one of his cars, but I might have to sign up for riding his rocket. <laughs> well, wait, wanna, that sounded very wrong, Larry. You might that want did sound to- wrong. Right. On, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, well, anyway, um, you know, because the guy's doing some good and he's, you know, he is, he is rapidly replaced Orange Man as public enemy number one of the left. And holy shit. Wow. What a place to be. And even if you are worth two or three hundred billion, you know. Well, and that is because what he's saying is a threat to them. I've never been fully on with Elon, although I'm, which is, uh, you know, what Adam Curry of the No Agenda show has been producing or mm-hmm. saying uh, that, yeah, I wouldn't really trust that Elon is necessarily the good guy. And I agree with that. I mean, Elon's looking to make money, which I can appreciate, but I don't know if Elon should be anybody's moral center. At this point, everybody. Um, The the right appears to be agreeing with them that free speech is important. You know, I don't give a fuck about moral centers. I really don't. I care about policies and results. You know, Orange Man was no paragon of moral uh, uprightness whatsoever. However, he knew how to run a fucking country. And Musk, you know, I, I guess he's had like a bunch of wives and kids all over the place. Who gives a shit? He's gone in and he's kicked ass and cleaned house and Twitter. And somebody and somebody had to do that, and he did, and he's now put himself in great harm's way, I believe. So that's good enough for me. Well, he's cleaning house, getting rid of a bunch of employees that didn't seem to be doing anything. Oh, they were doing plenty. They were destroying the country. <laughs> well, this is it with the stuff that's come out, where there was like one lone employee through all of the fervor to ban donald trump there was like one lone employee that was like uh maybe you guys this might not be a good idea <laughs> you and know and that, that guy's still breathing how did they let him live i don't know I, he may not have a job anymore but Probably they said not. the comment was like thrown into some you know sub stack or something sure. that nobody was going to pay attention to even though it was a vital question to ask when you're like well so we're gonna start doing this to the heads of state now i mean this is where you're going you know it's one thing and this is why they were so vehement in trying to attach donald trump to you know hitler or dangerous or hate speech because that's the only way most people are going to agree that oh it's Mm -hmm. a good idea to to censor somebody because i think there's there's a well there's a lot of insane people on the left that are all for censoring no matter what but I think there are some people that are like, well, we, yeah, we like free speech, but you know, that Hitler talk, we got to stop that. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize the course that they're on. The minute you start with sure. the, we should silence this. Then how far does that go? Well, I mean, it was basically ended the moment uh, people started using the phrase hate speech. Right? Yes. That's, that was it. So because hate Boy, speech is that- speech. It's speech. And who's to determine what that is? Okay. It's complete bullshit. Well, it's because language is so confusing. Now, I don't remember if we talked about this teacher on the last show. I talked about it somewhere, but we didn't have the audio on it. The, the English teacher 
from a California high school that doesn't want to teach English because, you know, it's it's racist. You were talking about that, I think, on Random Thoughts. Okay. So they all blur right. into each other. Well, you, well you, when you do 900 shows like you do, there's going to be some crossover and confusion, Darren. So maybe you should trim it down a bit. I know. Of, now you got more in the tubes. I mean, Jesus Christ. I know I You're was talking into a microphone. Maybe, maybe I should change the microphone for every show. <laughs> and that way I would at least maybe mentally have that visual clue, clue like, oh, I was talking into the into the Heil rather than the Electra voice or the yeah. Shure. And maybe I should just have four set up at all times and I can do different personalities into each one. And yeah. that would work. Yeah, but the, the guy... The guy that used to do that in LA was very successful. The last time I tried to talk about him, I forgot his name. His name was Phil Hendry, and he would do that. And he would he would do a like a two hour evening drive show, and he he'd play two or three characters at the same time. And he was so good at it that it, you had to listen to him two or three times to realize this is the same fucking guy. <laughs> it's, it's better for the radio station because it's like we're getting yeah. multiple yeah. personalities. Exactly, unless you're Howard Stern and pay all your your sidemen slave wages, which he always did. True. We had a guy here in Chicago who is still doing a podcast, at least it, I think the last I checked on Steve Dahl's network, who was another Chicago radio legend. But there's a guy named Kevin Matthews who did that yeah. here on the AM loop back in the day. And he had a character that was great, which was the old crotchety sports guy. And this is going back to the time when there were still shows on television of the old crotchety, I mean, the guys that were like covering the White Sox and Cubs were like 60, 70 years old and they were ornery old guys back when journalism was still a thing. Right. And Kevin Matthews had a character named Jim Shorts, which was the, <laughs> the equivalent of that. Like but it's that. like, it was hilarious. And when they are, you're right. When you have somebody that is talented, they could go through and have a conversation between the multiple characters and. Yeah. It's not unless somebody points out, do you notice they never talk over each other? Right. That you're like, oh, and yeah, you see pictures and they even has different microphones and there's one microphone that's for the call in. Yes. So when you're doing fake call in people that it, it's routed that way or goes through that sound mm-hmm. effect. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It is. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a very specific talent that I don't think you can develop. It's either you either got it or you don't. And this guy in L.A. certainly did, Bill Landry. Well, there's a lot of people who you put them in front of a microphone at all and they freeze up and they don't know what to say. They get very Mm self-conscious and trying to do that for multiple characters and pulling it off is it is a special kind of talented. You're right. I don't think you can go through and teach it to have somebody be able to have a conversation with themselves is entertaining. Yes. Now, this teacher, not so entertaining, but this was on TikTok. And one of the reasons I was like, well, wait a minute. Stop right there. I know. How many fucking times have I heard you screaming, not speaking, screaming? No, get the fuck off TikTok. Don't let your kids. It's a kind are you did you get this from TikTok, Darren? No, because here's the funny thing. Oh, okay. I saw this and it was on somebody else had this in because you go onto YouTube and there's like 9,000 shows who are all going to break down kind of like what we do, but not as well. Cause we are way more talented than anybody on YouTube. But I saw the clip and I'm like, Oh, well, I'd like to pull that, but I would like the unadulterated clip if possible. You know, that's what I was trying to do. 
as quickly as possible get the unadulterated clip. So they had her TikTok handle on the video, the whoever was breaking this thing down. And I went to TikTok and surprise, because you don't have to sign up. You don't have to have an account. You could just go to TikTok slash and then the username and you can get all of their videos. And it turns out this woman has uh, made her account private. Go figure. Imagine that. I'm guessing she got a little bit of blowback. Yeah. People don't say that anymore. They remember tisk tisk. People go, yes. You don't hear that anymore. Where'd that go? That was like a big thing when I was a kid, right? Don't you remember teachers and people? Yeah. Like, what the fuck did that? Like, how dare you? Don't you know you? You know what you're doing is bad. Tisk tisk. Now it's TikTok, and it's no. TikTok. It's horrible. Let's start a platform. Tisk tisk. We do nothing but shame assholes. How about that? it's a fucking i'm full of them who's got the, who's got the backing is uh donald trump elon come on elon you yeah, need on, you need man. another side gig we're on your side so i think this i ended up pulling off of a uh, somebody had reposted it to youtube in its entirety which i appreciate because i love people that come out they make their big splash whether it's tiktok youtube it doesn't really matter and then they get blowback and all of a sudden they pull everything back. They yes. make their, you know, and it's like, well, why? I thought you're so proud of this opinion that you had. We but, call them. I'm going to, I'm going to dub them right now. You ready for more brilliance? Oh, I am. Social media turtles. <laughs> you're right. Okay. Head back in the shell. Exactly. Now I'm going to hide. But this woman, and I'll say allegedly, cause I didn't do the homework enough to verify. Don't say allegedly, just fucking lay it out there. <laughs> I believe that she is a high school English teacher currently employed in California. Now, again, English teacher, let's remember that when she begins speaking here. As an educator, I am constantly worried if I am. Okay. One, anybody that starts the conversation with as an educator, as anybody that starts any conversation with the words as an, as a podcaster, no. I'm going to say some shit had some arrogant bullshit is about to be blown <laughs> in your face by, you know, really as uh, it's just, so listen, I'm, let me, let me qualify myself why I'm better, more knowledgeable and more credible than you are as uh and then the second thing she said is educator. What's wrong with the word teacher? I'll tell you what's wrong because always four syllables sound smarter than two syllables. I'm not a teacher. I'm an educator. Well, she's yeah, actually man. not teaching either. So, I mean, there's that. Right. Well, there is that. Yes. As an yeah. educator, I am constantly worried if I am part of the problem. Y- you are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Buy your beer. Uh-huh. That's exactly like, okay, there you, you already know you're burying the lead right up front. Am yeah. I part of the problem? Yes. Yes, you are. What do I mean by that? Well, public education is an institution that upholds lots of problematic systems and problematic thing. Yeah, we need an Adam Bell to all the lefty, uh, you know, trope words. Yes, problematic. We can add that. We need the bells. We can pop on that as an educator. We have to. There are so many problematic things that we have to now educate people with, not teach. Yes. And let's let's correct her again with this. She's not part of the problem. She is the problem. Yes. Okay. In our society, like white supremacy and misogyny and colonization, etc. Colonization. Colonization. Have you established any colonies lately, Darren? I've been trying, but no. <laughs> I mean, this is it. And it's like, well, all of these things are 
they're being taught. I don't understand. How are you teaching misogyny in your high school English, especially as an English teacher? Yeah. How are you teaching that? I don't understand. But well, it's in at all of this is this is she'll get around explaining how she's teaching misogyny yeah. and racism by teaching the English language, where again, she is an English teacher. My role as an educator, I try to undermine that BS in my classroom as much as I possibly can. I teach so her yes, role well, as an educator. Her, right. And there's another there's another there's another buzzword from the left. Nobody has a job anymore. They've got roles. Ah, roles. yes. You've noticed that, it, right? It is. Yeah. And what's your role? You know, all these fucking HR idiots. I hear this from people. I went in interviews. The first thing I said, well, what was your role in your, in your previous, uh, in your previous corporation? No, no. The role is for actors. Or maybe well, I mean, you were one of a child <laughs> actor, though. So I mean, fucking job lady. <laughs> here you go. Right. I mean, you had some acting gigs. Plenty. Oh so, yeah. So there you go. It's like, what role did I play? I can tell you that, but a teacher is not, a role. It's a role no it's a job and okay so misogyny all this well as an english teacher she finds her main goal not to be to teach the students the language that she is being paid to teach but to undermine misogyny and white supremacy that's her main goal as an english teacher is to undermine white supremacy and misogyny which explains why the kids probably ain't got no good english <laughs> i'm just guessing could be could because be. as an English teacher, your job should be to teach English. Yeah. And any school that then maybe this is why it was pulled. Any school that's any uh, that has anybody running it that has any common sense. When your English teacher is telling people that her main job is not to teach English, you might want to get rid of her. You might. Possibly can. I teach high school English and who the white supremacy runs deep. What? Okay. I teach high school English and the white supremacy runs deep. Really? Wow. I, see, I'm just trying to think back on my high school English classes at my all male Catholic boys school. Mm. And I don't remember any white supremacy parts. I don't either. I mean, I'm trying really hard, Yeah, but I can't remember any. Where does she teach? California. <laughs> I said that's almost too good to be true, right? Yeah. Did she did she say specifically what part of uh, California? There, I don't know. I'll look it up because I know it was that's in okay. the uh, the one article when yeah. I originally saw this that there was some. Uh, I think it was in the San Francisco area, but I'd have to double okay. check. Yeah, that pencils out. Yeah, that's, it makes sense. Deep. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at how we write essays. Start with an introduction that includes a thesis. Okay, so look how we write essays. You have an introduction and a thesis. I guess that's white supremacy somehow. Yes. Always cite your sources. Use transition words like however and therefore. These are all made up rules. They're arbitrary. They were created by Westerners in power. Okay. Hey, dim bulb. Gotcha. Here's a little news flash. <laughs> all rules are made up. Yes. The ones of the universe, like the way the, this, you know, the rotation of the earth, the sun going up and down, those God's rules. He didn't make them up. Well, he, maybe he made them up. But the rest of them are made up by people. Duh. Yeah. Duh. Repeat after me, teach. Duh. Anything <laughs> she is teaching, any teacher, yeah, it's all made up by somebody. And the problem here yeah. is that it was made up by white guys. And that's the problem. Oh, that's, it. that's the problem. Okay. It's not that they're made up, it's well, who they were made up by. 
Okay. That's obviously that makes a whole lot more sense. It's all who than what. In linguistic justice, April Baker Bell. Whoa, stop right there. Yes, I knew it. Whoa, I thought I thought climate justice was something. Those fucking clouds, you know, all those unjust clouds and the sun's rays and the wind, all those all those criminal things. Now we got linguistic justice. Holy fuck, I want to hear more. Aren't you familiar with linguistic justice? No. School me, baby. Now the other she is uh from Oroville High School. Mm. And where is did it say where that is as in California? I think Dvorak's the principal of that school. <laughs> it, it may be. It <laughs> may very well be that uh yeah, it just beyond understanding yeah. that you are going along and like, well, white people made this up and uh, the Westerners were in power. And uh, so I have to undermine this, but yeah, yeah. linguistic justice. I've never heard that. Never. First time. Yeah. In linguistic justice, April Baker Bell calls this the language of respectability or the language of power. Which got me thinking, what if I started my school year with a unit honoring how we talk rather than teaching students how to write properly? So this is. So. The thing that English is supposed to be about, at least that I understood, was that the way you speak to your friends out on the playground, wherever, is not really proper English. And what you're being taught in the classroom is the structure so you don't look like a complete fool if you have to write something for a job, you know, maybe a resume, for instance. Yeah. That it's not the same as the way you would talk. And I get it. Mm -hmm. People from different cultures will speak in different ways. We know there is a black vernacular. There's a Hispanic vernacular. There's a white guy, white girl vernacular. Everybody's got one. But her whole thing is, well, the way you're, what if we just did a whole thing on how you're speaking at home? Well, then they're not learning anything, moron. You're there to teach them what they don't know. Not to go, oh, you know, when you say X, Y, and Z at home, well, that's good, too. But put that on a resume and you're not going to get a job. She's not telling them that. Well, it's all, I mean, this is just another kink or not a kink, but a a spoke in the uh, the wheel of the commie paradigm, right? Just turn everything inside out, right? Healthy at any size, uh, minor attracted person, right? uh, Right. And now you just talk like an imbecile and that's okay. That's the new English. It's the start of my series on teaching linguistics in high school. Okay. Okay. Maybe that was somebody else that was part of this that should have been cut out. (laughs) But obviously he was just as confused as we were. Yes. By what was just said. And that does speak volumes that her videos have been hidden now behind the private wall on TikTok. What kind of... uh viewership were they getting have any idea i don't know i don't know if i'd have to look and see it may tell you on tiktok like it does which i'm always amazed that just the insanity and it doesn't matter if you have a big or small following it's like you're a teacher that's the, the teachers that come out and are so proud and you're seeing more and more of them now and i always wonder if it's performance art because this is something i would do you know, I would put out a thing and go just over the edge just to make fun of what's going on on the other side. So I am always wary that the freak that you see on TikTok might be 
somebody that is just putting on an act. Sure. Because people don't, I mean, they, they accept so many things now. It's scary that it's like, well, I saw it on the internet. Yeah. Like, it doesn't Absolutely. mean it's real. Yeah. So you think maybe she's trolling everybody. Could be, I guess. It, I don't think she is, but I think others have and, and done it really well. Yeah. That, uh, what's that guy's name? Um, the guy we brought that went to like the public hearing, yeah, on whatever. This, that guy's goddamn good. Stein. Is that his name? Stein, um, he, I know who you're good. talking about. I don't remember yeah. the name. He's gotten big. He's gotten really famous fast. Yeah. But it's genius because you get to make a point in a way that people aren't expecting. Mm-hmm. And it could be very entertaining. Yeah. I don't know if that's what you have here or not, but this is, as you said, this is just another part of everybody gets a trophy. Everything's great. What you're doing is fine. I mean, okay, you got type 36 diabetes, but that's okay. Have some more chocolate. It'll be yes. great. It's good for you. Yes. We can't tell you that you're wrong. No, nobody's wrong. Everybody's everybody. Well, you know, as Oprah said, we've all have our own truth. Primetime Alex Stein. Is that uh, Alex Stein? That's it. That's it. Alex Stein. Yeah. Uh, see, the Noah Jenna millennial. He always knows. That's why you should listen to his show, which is, yeah. oh, I'm now I'm blanking on the name. Uh-oh. But it's okay. He'll tell me. He'll he, tell you. Yeah. Unless he's, unless he uh, doesn't want to, maybe he doesn't want people to listen. It's always possible. Uh-oh. Could be the media show. millennial media millennial offensive. See, saying MMO isn't good enough. It's the so that be, okay. Maybe <laughs> that would tell me, but it is the uh, media offensive. Yes, millennial media offensive. Thank you. You good. should w- listen to that show because he yeah. knows more than we do. He crystallizes our thoughts in the troll room, and that's why it's always a pleasure that people show up to listen live when we do these shows on Monday at one o'clock central trollroom.io is one of the ways you can get in where we just have some fun. We do. And we bring and we people piss down. Off CSB. Yeah, well, well, it's not hard to piss off CSB. No, he was pissed off today that you weren't uh, flogging the show by uh, you know 15 minutes before. Whereas hit, well, him or then it was cold acid or somebody. It's like, the, it's always one o'clock, one o'clock. <laughs> now i mean it's a weird it's an oddity now with and it's been now since what september october so it's been three months now yeah. where the wife works literally a mile from home so rather than stay at work it's like well the food's here she yeah. can be here within five minutes so rather than brown bagging something yeah you know it's nice you can come home but it is it's a weird my days seem to go by like twice as fast now sure they do because it's like, well, I've got that. And then it's like, I got doing my stuff. And then she's home from 12 to one. And then it's like five o'clock is back. And it's also because with not working an hour away, rather than being gone from almost eight in the morning to seven at night. Now it literally is like eight 30 to five, but then she's also home for an hour in between there. That's cool. So it's uh, that's a different kind of a schedule, but that's why that then she leaves to go back to work and I fire up the stream. So when the show's starting at one, we don't have a long pre-show or anything. We get right to it. We do. Now, I mean, with that said, I mean, if you just want to hear some tunes, I guess I could turn it on like an hour early and just auto DJ it. And, uh, you know, maybe that would work, but that wouldn't be Darren, right? You do handcrafted stuff. This is, this is small batch handcrafted rock and roll rage, random things. It all comes out. It all works, I think, in the end. Yes. But this is the kind of stuff, if you're a parent, and I'm not, and I know you are, 
Now, this is the kind of stuff with these kind of teachers that you have to pay more attention to what's going on with your kids in school today. I mean, it was always important, Mm -hmm. but today, especially to find out what's going on. And if your local teacher winds up on a TikTok bragging that they don't really like to teach English, but they would rather teach why white supremacy is bad, then you need to get involved. Yes. And I know there's plenty of good teachers out there. Maybe these are just more visible because of the social media. Mm. It's certainly possible, but uh, some of them should probably be without a job. Yes, most definitely. Now you've got a clip here with Scott Lobito, who I mean, always reminds me of Sinatra. So we may as well get to Scott here. On you're right, there is a certain Sinatra thing. Yeah, he's that. got that. Yeah. He's got the voice. I mean, I know it's just—is mm-hmm. he from Hoboken? He's probably he's probably from somewhere around Hoboken. Well, he's well, Staten Island isn't far from there at all. I mean, you know, the New York metro area is not uh, vast. No, so, but uh, it is. It's very diverse. We can. It is. <laughs> it depends is. who you. It might just remind you know who you live next door to. Yeah. Yeah. But, this is well, on Paul the Castellano used to live in uh, Staten Island and he was, uh, you know, until he hated Spark Steakhouse and John Gotti clipped him. But uh, <laughs> yeah. so nice. I mean, the only guy I know at Staten Island is the guy from uh, Impractical Jokers uh, that's on okay. Tell Him Steve Day, but he's a Staten Island guy. Uh, there is a certain humor, it seems, from uh, Staten Island. Yeah, each. Uh, yeah, they all have. Not only do they all have their own. Um, uh, they have their own sort of speech patterns. If you really li- live there a long time, maybe it's maybe it's been diluted over the years. But when I was a kid, there, there was a there was a marked difference between Brooklyn, Bronx, and New York and uh, Queens accents. You could tell instantly, and they had their own um, idioms. You know, yes, the words that were used in one language. place and none. Then these fucking places are like you know five miles apart. It's ridiculous. Right. Uh, you know, the Bronx, like a big word in the Bronx was people, you, the big insult was you're a fucking mope. <laughs> you're a mope. You're a mope. What that yeah. is, I don't know. And then in the Bronx, and this was absolutely true, um, they have a thing, it may still go on, but there's a thing called the Bronx stare, right? And I don't know where it comes from, maybe because people up there are very clannish or something, but if you if you walk into a restaurant in the Bronx as I have many times, and you're not a local guy, if they haven't seen you before, every fucking head in that, in that, in that restaurant will turn and stare at you like you're a giraffe. <laughs> I and swear, they're going, who's this is, mope? Right. Who the fuck is this mope? And the, I mean, that doesn't happen anywhere else, only in the Bronx. So yeah, there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of variety there. Yeah. And now you, the internet has ruined all of that. The internet's ruined everything except us. Now we get to we get to force ourselves on you know on on the entire globe, which is a good thing. Other than that, the internet's shit. I am not disagreeing. Yes. Hey kids, sorry I couldn't find my tinfoil hat today, Mister Conspiracy Guy. <laughs> you know why people don't fucking like me? A lot of you fucking on the left don't like me because you fear my right message and that I am always right, but well, most of the time. 
For instance, you all heard, I don't care how much you close your ears, you all seen and heard about this whole Twitter release thing that this past 2020 election was interfered with, was rigged and fucking stolen, not only by the mainstream media, these social media tech corporations and this administration, but sadly and horribly, the fucking feds were involved. And that, my friends, is fucking treasonous. More people have been hung for a lot less and this, my friends, people better be held accountable and they better fucking hang for this. So, in the mortal words of Uncle Scotty, fuck you. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Uncle Scotty is not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. And it was interesting watching how the leftist people on YouTube, because I really don't watch anything on the mainstream, but while looking for clips, for this show, especially, I have watched some coverage of people talking about the Twitter stuff. And there's a guy, and I don't even remember his name, but I, he pops up all the time when I'm doing clips that are for searches that are things like angry, rage, rant. You know, these are the kind of keywords that we're looking sure. for. And he pops up a lot. And he was talking about this. And it's all, well, Donald Trump's unhinged response and it was all well we already know there is you know there's nothing to this these twitter releases there's nothing here there's nothing nothing, you know it's like nothing to see here right and it's like what do you mean there's nothing to see here there's a lot yeah to see here but it just shows either one how far you drank the kool-aid and then i asked myself like i guess why why aren't i doing a daily youtube video because this asshole's getting like a million and a half viewers which is is this asshole I don't I don't remember his name. He's a weird looking dude. I'll have to look it up. Okay. Yeah, and he's just very because we need to identify. If we're gonna call somebody an asshole, let's see who they are. <laughs> right. I guess that makes perfect sense. <laughs> but it's like it's all that, you know, Donald Trump is unhinged and the sure. you know, there's nothing to this. And of course, Donald Trump is saying the FBI was involved and how ridiculous it's like, what do you mean? It's it's there. It's, it's been there. it's been admitted. It's mm-hmm. The fact that you've gotten people that are FBI whistleblowers, I mean, it's okay if there's a whistleblower that comes out of a Fortune 100, 500 company, the people on the left, they will blow them like, oh, my God, they're telling the truth. They're speaking truth to power. Yeah. But an FBI whistleblower comes out and like, yeah, we were meeting with the uh, social media on a weekly basis leading up to the uh, Biden Trump election. Well, then there's that's there's nothing to that. That's nothing. No, it's like I don't understand. I mean, I get it. It is one one part confirmation bias and two. You're just going to keep on promoting your own agenda. Mm -hmm. But that's really the only thing that I can figure out that explains the whole deal, because that's that's it it's like i don't know how well you you can explain that sure would you consider um peter douche uh yeah what's his name douche not peter douche steve douche yes yes well yes peter was his dad right yeah uh, and i think steve's the old man and peter's the kid yeah i believe that's right yeah um would you consider him you know like a you know a left-wing youtuber whatever from for the the right side, you mean? Is that the same kind of thing? Because he's because he's, he's kind of perceived, I think, as kind of a right wing guy. I think, right? Isn't he is. I mean, he, well, he's okay. he's the only guy that comes out with questions that will yeah. challenge 
the White House spokes hole and be like, well, how do you explain this? Like, well, yeah, well, not always. If you if you hit this next clip, (laughs) uh oh, you'll yeah, you'll see a little little different side to Stevie. Yeah. Let's see here, which we've got. uh, Oh, here, do see and kill me. There we go. Yeah, I got it. According to the guy who Elon Musk gave all the secrets to, he said, I don't see federal law enforcement involved in the laptop story right. at all. Well, maybe they weren't, and we'll get answers when yeah. oversight, because these exactly. Republicans are taking well, saying, taking How could that be January? the case? Is the FBI part of the government? Yeah, of course. Did the FBI get the laptop? Did they go ahead and brief these major social media companies about not doing certain things and suppressing certain things? In the run-up to the election, we heard... And we talked about from this couch, warnings from the Department of Homeland Security and federal law enforcement that uh, given what happened in 2016, they might try it again. We heard that. So there you go. He's he's totally down with the bullshit narrative of the Russia hoax from 2016. And no, the, you know, the feds are not involved at all in fucking around at Twitter. I mean, holy shit. So is he any different from the, from the rest of them? Not really. Not if you're just repeating while well, we were told this, like, well, we were who told was, yeah. you know, who was told and, uh, and, and how do you believe them? Um, the mm-hmm. guy that I said, the douchebag on, uh, on YouTube, his name is David Pacman, P-A-K-M-A-N. I'll have to look for him. I don't know. 1.57 million subscribers. Mm. And, uh, it's all, you know, you look down his headlines and it's all, Oh, Trump oh, unhinged. And then he was going down the whole. Sure. He, it was what the hilarity on the one video was he was going down all of Trump's posts on truth social and then telling you why Trump's not worthy of your attention. But it's like um, <laughs> you're reading everything he said and reacting to everything he said. And Donald Trump, we all know, I think even the people that liked what Donald Trump did understand that donald trump is a bloviator that donald trump is a little bit self-obsessed which i'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing in a leader of the country but he also has a lot of things backing now what he's saying where the people that were all about the russia 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 which remember came down to russia was colluding to help donald trump And they came down with the only proof they ever came out of of anything was there were some Russians that paid like $100,000 for some Facebook ads. Yes. That was the whole thing was generated by uh, Hillary. Right. She she ginned that entire narrative up. Well, then we find all that out. But then there's nothing. There's nothing to see there that all of this was, you know, the fact that this was all used against Donald Trump that, well, he's in the pocket of the Russians. Oh, my God, this is going to be dangerous. Right. When you find out that was all lies, you go, well, there's nothing to that. No. Like, but no, there's there's a lot to that. And it's one thing to have political dirty pool, as they used to say. But when it's coming from the FBI, then that's a completely different level of things. Sure is. And when you find out you had an FBI under Donald Trump actively trying to undermine the president of the United States. That's also a little bit of a bigger deal than another political, you know, your political opponent coming out with lies. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit different when 
you have it coming out of a alleged law enforcement agency. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, there was a hit show, I guess, was it the sixties or the seventies, which was just like a, a weekly propaganda puff piece for the FBI called the FBI starring Ephraim Zimblas Jr. And that, that organization has had such a fantastic PR for so long, but it's really been, I mean, J. Edgar wasn't playing with a full deck and he was a prick. He was a blackmailing prick. Um, Elliot Ness, you know, who was commi- right. committed to prohibition. He fucking died of cirrhosis of the liver. He was a, he was a falling down drunk. Um, but you know, it's just had a, it's just had a horrific history from Ruby Ridge to Waco. It, it's, it needs to, it needs to go away forever. It just does. Well, it's like anything that the larger and larger it gets, the more out of control that it is and the less people that you can hold accountable. I mean, quite yeah. often the people you hold accountable aren't the right ones. Right. You know, where you're like, well, the guy was at the head of all this, but uh, we got rid of him. Yeah, but you didn't yeah, the get rid of called rank and file. Right. right. You right. know, the people that were actually committing the offenses are allowed to continue to go on and and do whatever it is they do. And that's why a lot of these Twitter files were interesting because it seemed that most of this stuff never got to the people that owned or were running Twitter. A lot of this was done in like small little cabals with people that had access to be able to moderate things, to be able to do things. And it's not saying that Jack Dorsey and the folks around him weren't responsible because if you're in charge. And that's the one thing that I think Musk is actually doing well. And I could be totally Mm -hmm. wrong, but it seems like he took over and all of a sudden looked under the hood and was like, we're going to start doing things differently. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not buying Dorsey's claims of, uh, of not knowing. I'm just not because Twitter, you know, it's a, it's a small to mid-sized company. They had what? 7,500 employees. When you compare that to so many other, it's, 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 it's very small. It's not big. Well, yeah, and they're working on the same product. Yeah, and they're working on the same. Exactly. There aren't divisions and subdivisions and fucking factories in Jakarta. You know, it's one building <laughs> well, there in fucking San Francisco. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Um, and so for him to say, well, I didn't know, I, you know, I don't know that I buy that. And and if he did know, he certainly could have found, he could have just read his own Twitter feeds and seen, seen what was going on there and just fucking called everybody in the room and say, who, who the fuck is doing this? I think he's full of shit. Oh, I don't I doubt think. there's a lot of covering his own ass. Yeah. A lot of this, I think, comes down to, and again, I don't know if anything is served when you look back at what Dorsey said in front of Congress a few years ago. And I remember watching that online. Mm -hmm. Yes. When this was all like right when COVID started, there was, I mean, he was on, they talked to uh, the other funny looking guy from Meta, Zuckerberg. There we go. Mm -hmm. You know, they talked to a bunch of these guys and they asked specifically to Dorsey about whether they were censoring conservatives. Are they censoring anybody? I mean, they asked all of the questions and he said, no. Mm -hmm. And now that this Twitter leak stuff coming out appears to show the opposite, there are some people that are losing their shit. Like, Oh yeah, we have to, you have to prosecute them, put them in jail. It's like, to what end? I mean, I don't know if there, if that would actually do anything. I'm sure he was probably smart enough to cover his own ass where he'd be like, well, I didn't know. I mean, you, you have to, the, the, 
ability to prove it is, I think, going to be nearly impossible. But as like you just said, there's a lot of people that are going to believe he did. And shouldn't that be enough? I mean, that's. Yeah. Well, if there's anybody that needs to go to jail, it's any it's any government employees, including the president, any any politicians who were um, who were requesting that who were working with Twitter saying, you know, bury this, turn that down, um, um, deplatform this guy, that guy. That, that, that's that's, right. a, that's a criminal offense and they need to fucking go down for it. Well, they're going to use the excuse that it was a private company, but we then no lines were crossed because it's no longer a private company. If you're meeting with yeah, the, if the government is, is dictating policy, that's not a private company. No, but they're also denying the fact that it was the public square. There's a lot of people that, you know, are more into the libertarian and all that kind of bent who would be like, well, Twitter was a private company that could do whatever they want. And it's like one, I agree with that. But let's also admit that Twitter does act as the public square and as horrible as all social media is, it's to your own detriment if you're going to deny that what happens on Twitter has an effect when it comes to how elections turn out. I mean, forget all of the chicanery and cheating around the elections, but the way people vote is changed by sites like twitter and tiktok and instagram of course and to deny that which a lot of people do like well twitter doesn't have a real effect it's like well then why did obama (laughs) right yeah why did obama go on to tiktok to dance you know to try to get uh you know whatever whichever election that was it for herschel walker or not for because you know Mm -hmm. he's the wrong kind of black guy you have to go with the socialist warnock down there right but that got Obama onto a TikTok. It's like they're using this stuff. It's like that's mm-hmm. it's funny that Obama and other Democrats have been on TikTok doing the political promotion at the same time the Biden administration's going, yeah, you know, TikTok may be dangerous. Trump might have had a, a point with all of this, mm-hmm. but Obama's using it. So what does that tell you? Right. I don't know. It tells you everything. Yes. Now we've got a yeah. clip of Tina talking about this dump as well. Tina, if we want to go uh, back to the Bronx, I love, I love the old Tina is back. It's just great. You know, I, I missed, I missed that Tina while she was the congressional candidate. Tina, We're back to Tina unfiltered. It's like the best coffee yeah. and tea. It's unfiltered. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, I guess maybe you want coffee filtered. Otherwise that's a little crunchy, yeah. but you get the point. I get it. Good morning, Patriots. So her, okay, so her and like Lobito start almost the same way. I like that. Almost the same way. And, but she always does them. They both do in the car. It seems like Tina's almost always in the car. Um, and she's got, she's got this kooky, like Tito Puente soundtrack going on behind her, which is kind of different and fun. Yeah. So my Monday PSA for today. Okay. So she's in the car by herself, but she's playing the music is, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay i'm i i may, tina reach out to us we can yeah. give you some tips on not that it's not entertaining but it's very entertaining it's <laughs> uh you gotta you got, oh she's keeping the words up front i'll dig that yeah. is we the people were right about everything everything thank you elon we were right about everything and you want to know something tds is real 
Trump derangement syndrome at its best. And I'm gonna also need Matina derangement syndrome because my trolls, these are very entertaining, but I love my patriots, you own my heart. I love you all, God bless you. Have a great week and Trump 2024, motherfuckers. Fuck out of here. I love it. <laughs> Tina Farty unfiltered right here. She's great. I want to do, I might just do a super cut of, of Scott and T- her saying fuck out of here and him saying fuck you. <laughs> just, it's just great. It's classic. I love it. I love it. We know Trump derangement syndrome isn't going anywhere. No. This is one of these mind, you know, these little catch 22, a thought exercise, if you will, on what is the winning route to go moving up to the 2024 presidential election mm-hmm. because I understand both sides. I understand the people that go Donald Trump has so much baggage that there's no way he's going to win. And I don't believe there's no way he's going to win, but I do believe he's got a lot of baggage and that seems to be a fairly easy case to make, but then anybody that comes into and we may have talked about this before here. If Ron DeSantis all of a sudden becomes the front runner and Trump is gone, mm-hmm. I think the left treats him just like they're treating Trump. So I don't know if it's really. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It does. It does not matter because you look at, I mean, Trump had his foibles as everybody does, but for years, they just relentlessly hosed him with bullshit. The guy's not a racist. Not at all, but they call him that. They call him, yeah. Well, the, they call the, him the an anti Semite and an anti Semite. Please. Yeah, please. <laughs> it's total bullshit. They, and the, the, the Russian thing, he's, you know, he's Putin's butt boy. And they sprayed him with this, these lies 24 7. And vast numbers of mouth breathing jackals bought it. They bought those lies. And they'll do the exact same thing to DeSantis. Doesn't matter. He could be squeaky clean, have zero skeletons in his closet within. You know, the, the before he announces, just like Trump, you know, when it looks like he's the guy, the shit, the lies will begin. How long uh, until there's Russian collusion with uh, yeah, DeSantis? <laughs> yeah, it, it, for, you know, I would say for see, the thing is like Trump was up in New York and you can go over the polar ice cap and get to Moscow pretty quick like that. Right. So for for DeSantis, it's going to be it's I predict Cuban shit. Ooh. He'll have his head in Cuba because, you know, Miami, or Florida, Cuba, very close. That's what it'll be. It'll be he'll, he'll be the Cubans, Cuban butt boy. Yeah. Wouldn't <laughs> tell that. Oh, yeah. Sure. But again, this is the way they kind of frame things. I, I had a clip. I knew this would enrage. This is the, uh, what is the energy secretary? John Kerry? No. Uh, what do they call him? Lurch. Watermelon Lurch. head or on uh, no agenda. Lurch. He does kind of look like Lurch as well. Oh, yeah. About as animated, too. Yes. So back on the loss and damage fund, though, I mean, is there going to have to be U.S. taxpayer money that helps the United States? Presumably the United States is going to have to be one of the nations. Is he he hocking up a loogie? What the fuck is going on there? He is. And he mentions that he's had COVID in the last couple of days as well. (laughs) Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. But this is all kind of along the conversation. Good thing he's vaxxed. Yes. Good thing he's vaxxed. Got to be quadruple vaxxed. And um, you know, boost, boost, boost. It'll keep you from coughing up a lung, I guess. Maybe not. <laughs> and they're talking about all of this stuff when it comes to saving the planet and all of this green mm. stuff. Yeah. All of these American politicians tell you, well, the United States really needs to take a, a lead. We need to be leaders in this. 
And then the question's rarely asked, and you never get a good answer when it is, which is, okay, well, when it comes to pollution, the United States is not first. That would go to China and India. Yes. Neither of which is going to do dick all. So explain to me why you're going to ruin our economy to be leaders when the other biggest people that are doing the bad stuff into the air are not. No, but see you, Darren, Darren, I know you you don't understand. Okay. Okay. Let me, let me, (laughs) let me paint that. Let me educate you. Okay. Do you remember, you know, when the mask mandates were thing, you walk in a restaurant, you have your mask on. And when you sit down, it's mask off because those fucking germs only were, well, in your case, from the six foot six level to when you sit down, your head's still probably six feet off the ground when you're sitting. But you get the picture. Okay, right? Apply that same pretzel logic to air pollution. The India and, and China, their skies are fucking gaseous sewers. But all that shit, it stops at the border. It never, co- it never goes around. The oh, if they put up like so really, one. really tall plastic barriers, like in the That's restaurants, it. they probably did that too. <laughs> they probably have fleets of jets hanging the fucking plastic barriers down and, you know, at all times. So stop worrying about it. Just Maybe stop. if they have supersonic jets circling the country really fast, yeah. it'll keep all the air in. Yes. There you go. We are not scientists. I just want to point that out. It's great it's if there were some, uh, <clears throat> uh, it's uh I mean, the United States of America proudly is the largest humanitarian donor in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The American people already do an enormous amount around the world. Yes. And you look at the program we've done, you know, what we did with uh, AIDS in Africa or what we did with uh, President Obama to deal with uh, Ebola and so forth. Now, the thing that angered me the most at that little blurb was. Well, you know what we did for AIDS in Africa and then what President Obama did with Ebola. Mm. Well, the president that did all of the stuff that the we he's speaking of about AIDS was George Bush. That's true. Now, you can say whatever you like about George Bush, and I'm sure there are plenty of reasons not to like him. But if you're going to be like, well, Obama with Ebola, but you're just going to go, well, yeah, that AIDS thing. Yeah. It's like this is not giving credit where credit is due this is not being a united country this again is more division which i know they had to lose their shit at whatever the thing was a few weeks back at the white house where they honored elton john and george bush's wife and one of his daughters was there and elton john was like oh you know i'm sorry george couldn't be here you know he did so much for aids he told laura you know to give him a hug when he she sees him that he was just did so much you know, but John Kerry's just gonna be like, well, what we did, what we did. But then yeah. we point out if he wouldn't have pointed out Obama mm. when it came to the Ebola, then you get a little bit of a slide. But you know exactly what you're doing. Of course. Again, politicizing everything. Yep. So we're, we're on deck. I mean, we're in the fight. But but yes, we're the largest economy in the world. Twenty one, twenty two trillion dollar economy. Now, that may not be the case for long. Let's just be honest about be, that. Yes, one get that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the next closest to us is China. At, what, 16 or so trillion? Mm-hmm. We have to step up to lead. Mm-hmm. And but we have to also demand everybody else is at the table. Mm-hmm. And that- OK, so we're demanding that everybody else is at the table. Why were you doing this to uh, China and India? Mm hmm. What t- and what table is this, Gary? I, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't want to be at this table after he's hawking up a loogie on it. 
<laughs> that means China, too, and other countries who can't hide behind this U.N. cloak of, of uh, we're a developing country or it's a it's a common but differentiated principle that we apply to this. It is common but differentiated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But common means you accept your level of, of appropriate responsibility. And we, it doesn't mean none. You would expect China to potentially have I would hope. contributor nation? I would hope. Okay. okay. I mean, that's... We will, you know, we're, we picked up the conversation with China in Charm. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, you know, I got COVID mm-hmm. in the last two days mm-hmm. and we had to. Right. We couldn't quite finish those conversations, but we will continue. So basically BS. You expect uh, China to come in on this? Well, we hope so. We hope so. Yeah. One would hope. One yeah. would hope. Is Adriana Lima going to show up with my Christmas present in lingerie <laughs> at my front door? <laughs> I would hope, Larry, I would hope that that's <laughs> going to happen, but I'm not really expecting it. So there's there's what he's but not saying. Hope. hope is good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need a lot of hope. We need a lot of change. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to hope for. We are going to hope. Yeah. And I did. Pull yeah. a clip. Who, was, who was the ch- who was talking to him? Who was the woman? That was like somebody at some U.N. forum. Yeah. And I should have pulled her name, too, because she was very annoying with the. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. It's a uh, just that's a very cringy. Yeah. And I get it when you're interviewing somebody. There are some people that need the little verbal cues that you're listening and that they should keep going as opposed yeah. to, you know, there are some people that you just set them off and like Trump. I mean, he didn't need to he didn't need to no. make a sound. He would talk for 45 minutes. Yes. No problem. I don't know with uh with Carrie, but I did pull a Dave Ramsey clip because I mean, because you want to piss me off. <laughs> yeah, I should. I well, mean, I probably should have played I'm glad, it earlier. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I muted myself at the beginning. That was so good. <laughs> it was it was a pre strike there with the pre strike uh, preemptive strike. But he's talking about all of the layoffs that are currently going on, and I don't know if he actually says the word here, but it was at some point he was talking about how the the layoffs were immoral because of how these companies do business, and I just. I found it to be just a very weird kind of quirky way to look at this and his, the use of language is interesting as well. So let's just, did you say dad gum even better? Ooh, let's just translate that. Okay. These publicly traded companies are buttholes. Okay. So these publicly traded go. companies are buttholes. Okay. And he'll use that again. Okay, because here's what they're doing. All right, let me tell you why Salesforce, in their press release, Salesforce said they laid these people off to increase profits, simply increasing profits. So you didn't need them when you hired them? They weren't going to make you money when you hired them? Oh, no, no, no. They were going to make us money. But one way to increase profits is to slash the payroll line on the P&L temporarily and it temporarily makes us look like we're more profitable, although there's not people to do the work that causes us to be more profitable later. That's correct. So we rehire later. And so it's corporate America being buttholes. They're, they're, all they're doing is they're, they're creating pro- false profit. Mm-hmm. No kid, no pun intended. I like that. False profit. Po- profit that didn't come from generating revenues and doing a better job. Profit that came from cutting an expense that you actually needed an investment that you actually needed in order to appear to be more profitable. That's right. And, and they do that on the backs of you in America. And some- <laughs> right. The backs of like America fucking needs salesforce.com. This guy's so full of shit. 
He is so full of shit. Um, that, that's just, you know, that, that's the oldest trick in the book. These guys, I mean, it's been going on forever. They'll do a big fucking head cut so they can bring in a, you know, a, a, a stronger quarter, uh, balance sheet, uh, for their, for their meeting and maybe pump up the, the stock price a little bit. There's nothing new going on there. And America doesn't fucking need salesforce.com. America sold plenty of shit before Mark Benioff came along with that bullshit corporation with their bullshit software uh, and established that, you know. Guy's a clown. Well, that's clown. beyond. It's beyond that even, and it's like I don't think any of these. They're not like hiring the same people back. So b- right. pretending this is a well, we're just firing them so we can have this on the bottom line, and then they're right. going to go back and get them because they need them. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, he does talk in here a little bit. Let me just a little bit more here. Some of you. You're really having the great regret because some of you left a job with a company that actually was a pretty good company to make 15 or 20 more thousand dollars over at publicly traded jerkwad. That's right. That's right. And they told you you could work from home. And guess who got guess who got laid off first at all these companies? All the all the research we're seeing coming in, the the number one, the two types of people that got laid off, the last ones hired and the ones that are working from home, which would make sense overall that yeah. those would be the ones fired and i know yeah. exactly you know it kind of hit home a little bit because i have a nephew who just took a big pay raise to go work for one of these fortune 500 companies and you're like yeah i would be afraid right now and i've got mm-hmm. it you know my niece works for amazon and they're like hey twenty thousand cuts coming in in january but it's like well the bottom line on this isn't because they're doing this to intentionally screw with the employees and i don't believe the well they, they weren't going to make you money when you hired them. It's like, well, when you hired them, the economy was better. Of course. And we expected business to be better. Yeah. You, you know, it's like a restaurant. If you got a yeah. big restaurant and you right. got, you need like 20 waiters and waitresses for every shift. If you're packed and all of a sudden mm-hmm. business drops by 50%, you know what you need? 50% less staff. Yep. And that's a big part of it. When things are going good, people are hiring, hiring, hiring. When the crap hits the fan, well, who's going to go? And yeah, especially the people that are working at home, because that's probably not the most, um, they're probably not getting the most performance out of those people. Probably not. Which is why all these guys want that shit to end. I mean, from, from Tim Cook at Apple Musk, you know, look what his t-shirt said. Uh, what was it? Uh, stay at work more. Yes. So, right. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you are working from home, the odds are much more likely that you're fucking off period. Yeah. Because they can see what you're doing. Yeah. You can't go take the dog out. You know, you can't right. go take a nap. <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah. and I, I just do not. And as a podcaster, I mean, people should understand I'm working from home right now, mm-hmm. but I'm not working for a company. If I had employees, I would not want them working from home. No, 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 no. Not if you had the alternative was you could have them coming into an office mm-hmm. for some creatives. I will give a leeway on that. So if you have somebody in an office who is taking the orders, like if you're doing a business that does nothing but websites, something I know a little bit about, mm-hmm. well, you need somebody there to take care of the customer that if they're going to call, you can answer the questions. You got to be able to pick up the phone. If somebody wants to walk in the door and talk to somebody, but you know, the guy doing the creative work, could probably do it from home. Yes. But not everybody. 
And Dvorak, John C. Dvorak of the No Agenda Show is absolutely right that there are a certain amount of people that can never work from home because they are unable to, you know, put themselves into that concept of that they're actually at work, meaning they, they lack the discipline. Yes. He's absolutely correct. You know, it's like if you, you got to be in this room from nine to five, it's like, well, no, I can, I can leave. I can, yeah. nobody's, although now with all the ways they're like following people at their, when they're at home doing the work, whether it's watching via webcam, which is so freaky. Yeah. That's gotta be weird. Uh-huh. I mean, it's bad enough. I mean, if you're in an office and I've worked in offices, it's not all that bad. I mean, you know that your boss is around, but they're probably not looking over your shoulder. If somebody mm-hmm. has access to your webcam, it's like that's looking right at your face while right. you're doing that's the work. Fucking, geez. I know. <laughs> it's like that just seems way worse yeah. than anything else. Let yeah. me tell you. But see, I had a Keith Olbermann thing, but I think we can just toss him right out because that's. Oh, I love to, love to punch Keith, but you don't want to do him. Well, we no. can. Okay. I mean, that's that's good. I mean, it's he's kind of a, a bring you downer kind of guy. I know we oh, we're going to. Maybe we can bring it, bring up by, by uh, humiliating him. We could do that. This was a clip that was on Megan Kelly's show that she was clipping this from his podcast. And it was set up that I guess he has a segment of his podcast, which is something like things or secrets I've never told before, which is. <laughs> Oh, I don't want, maybe I don't want to hear this. (laughs) The guy's such a fucking creep. I know. God. Oh, I'm like one that's just, and and Megan Kelly made the joke like that kind of makes you, she's like a horrible person. That sounds like a very intriguing spot Mm. for a podcast or for a television show. Like, Hey, Larry, it's secrets. We've never told anybody. So, I mean, that's, it's captivating for people that are interested, I guess, in what you're saying. Yeah. But it was something that his ex-girlfriend was in the news, and uh, her name is, uh, oh, he'll bring it up. It's She's the reporter. I've heard her name a lot on No Agenda. She wrote one of the Trump books. But I guess because she was in the news with her husband getting a vasectomy or something, mm. I guess that put her name in front of Keith, and this Uh-oh. this was where he went with it. On January 22nd, 2017, Katie Turr of MSNBC asked me to write her Trump book for her. She was serious. And there are receipts. So all this time I have remained silent about the nearly three years she and I lived together and the eight years after that during which I remained her good and loyal friend and I have remained silent even though the day she moved into my place in New York she expected a New York TV station would hire her with no experience and no audition tape and I have remained silent about how her father whom she has never stopped trashing sent her $10,000 worth of cameras and editing equipment to help her get started and I have remained silent even though she sent me nearly all of her scripts for her NBC News stories, including her Trump campaign coverage in 2016, and I edited nearly every one of them, and several times I had to completely rewrite them for her. And I have remained silent even though six days after my emergency appendectomy in 2007, she started punching and slapping me with real intent to do harm because the living room wasn't clean enough in our place. And how exactly do you even try to defend yourself against a woman 125 pounds lighter and a foot shorter than you? Now, 
I mean, as a podcaster, that was a like 90 seconds of beautiful content. Yes, it was. Now, uh, is is he implying that they were, I mean, when she had lived with her, I thought at first he's, well, he's just, he's writing this book for her. It sounds like they were having a relationship. Oh, yeah. Transcended, uh, uh, you know, book writing. Is that correct? Yes, they were definitely uh, romantically entwined, okay. as they say. They lived together right. for a few years. Right. And he's he's kept his silence about every bad thing she mm. ever did to him. Bad. Yeah. Until now. now. Okay. And that's just like, I love, you know, I heard you yeah. laughing there at the end too, where he's like, oh, I had an emergency appendectomy and then she started punching me where punching the, me. where the you scar are. was like, that's a certain amount of hatred, Keith. Maybe you yeah, should be, mm. you should try to comprehend why. Yeah. Well, apparently violence runs in the turf family, right? Because her father, if I'm not mistaken, is the transsexual former, there was a, he, he used to run a news helicopter, a traffic copter in LA. Um, the hell he call himself. He had some kind of a gimmicky uh, nickname. I forget what. And then he decided he was a chick. Um, and then he was on a, a TV show with with Ben Shapiro. And and Ben refused to use the pronoun or whatever. Ooh, yeah. And Tura apparently is a pretty big big dude. I don't think he's quite your size, but uh, he's definitely bigger than Ben. Oh well, yeah. And he turned. And he turned to Ben and said, quite audibly, you know, you, you're going to, you're going to treat, say, treat, use my pronoun, something like that, or you're going home in it. And he put his arm around Ben's neck almost <laughs> in a headlock and said, or you're going home in an ambulance. So I guess, I guess if I'm not, if that's the same tour family, I, I think it is. Yeah, probably. Um, you know, violence seems to be a thing with them. Yeah, but most people yeah. that know Keith Olbermann probably feel the need for violence. At yeah, some that's point. true. That's true. <laughs> he, he, they used to say he could piss off the Pope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he is one of these guys that when he was covering sports, you know, okay. Yeah. But when he got into all of the political stuff, he's another guy that just either is completely not self-aware oh, and, yeah. you know, point to the other side as the people that are spreading hatred as this hatred is like dripping out of his mm-hmm. out of his mouth it's like well how do you not how do you not recognize you're doing the same thing on the other side and uh, yeah. i think i clipped him on one of our earliest shows with him screaming about how yes. the unvaccinated were, were cowards and pussies and so on and so forth that didn't age very well as they say no for keithy um yeah he's a he's a chooch uh, um yeah yeah, Which again, that all goes to show why you should not silence speech mm-hmm. because every, not everything, but a, a lot of what was silenced with the COVID stuff turned out to have some validity to it. Mm-hmm. And when you look back on it, well, one, not only did that not age well, but you have to start wondering then mm-hmm. when it comes to loss, we know we are in a lawsuit happy nation. Oh, yeah. When it comes down to, well, hey, I had a kid. I vaccinated them and they died. Well, I did that because Twitter silenced the other side. I, if I would have known X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. then I would have made different decisions. And yeah. So, I mean, that was uh, over on Unrelenting, that a show I do with Gene on Fridays. He's like, I think Twitter's going to be sued into oblivion. And I'm like, I, it's, well, it's hard to say. 
But how can you sue a company that's not the same company anymore? That doesn't have to be retroactively to to uh, to Dorsey and so the Dorsey regime. I mean, that's the question. He Dean thought it was it's the same company. I mean, it's just new ownership, but it's the same mm-hmm. company, which I guess makes sense. I mean, maybe this is why Elon is very quickly, I believe, trying to transition Twitter into X or whatever he's going to rebrand this to maybe where yeah. you can somehow separate the two of those things because i can see you know okay uh white castle they end up uh, killing a bunch of people but it just sold you know then it sells to somebody new and then you find out that the meat they sold that was already shipped out was bad it's like well who's responsible did white castle do that no which i'm sorry i love white castle i just use them as (laughs) an example but jack in the box did years ago yeah there was something i think yeah Yeah, some people died from their uh yeah now white castle and again, this is not recommended to to consume like White Castles. It's probably not very healthy to consume them. But they just came out with a White Castle. They don't call them White Castle pizza rolls, but that's basically what they are. I think okay. a pizza roll, but it's a little bit of a softer pastry. And the inside is White Castle meat and cheese or onion, whatever it all is in there. And it tastes like the sliders. I mean, it is just so good, but so bad for you. I mean, if it's, if you, if you like white castles, it's like, Hey, it's a, it's a way to have a little white castle snack without having a white castle near. I see. Well, they don't have them on the West coast, but there were plenty of them when I grew up in New York, white castle. I mean, you have them, you, you know, you've had them for like a day or two later. I'm sure. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but as we said up front it is uh francis albert sinatra's birthday i think 107 yeah. would be yeah. it would have been 107 huh i'll be damned and wow. we had never never got a chance to see him live my parents did hmm. i kind of wish i would have because the last time they saw him i mean i was old enough to go but just wasn't really interested in that kind of music at that point oh you fool i know i know okay. um and then I had an opportunity to uh, talk to Nancy about some old tapes that we had because we had, uh, I mean, it it left a little bit of a a bad taste and it's just because people can be dicks. Was Nancy unkind to you or? No, I mean, she was okay, but we had some old tapes. These came from the old airy crown here in Chicago that one of my dad's cousins, I think it was worked the boards Mm -hmm. and of, was taping the stuff back in the 60s mm-hmm. so we had you know the sinatra and i guess other people had this one as well because i've done research and it seems that we weren't the only people that had a copy of this concert but it was decent sounding it was a little bit unfortunately just a little bit too hot so there were some times where you know back in the day that was the problem you, you tape stuff a little too hot you oversaturated you kind of you took it down from the level of where you might have been able to mm. release it. Although with today's audio restoration technology, knowing now that you can separate yeah. into different channels, it may be a little bit different. But the problem wasn't that we sent these reel-to-reel tapes off to the Sinatra guy. It was that we knew that that concert was on one side. I think there was a Ray Charles or uh, Judy Garland, maybe on the other side. And they said, Hey, we just want a copy of this for our archive. We want to hear it. 
you know, because mm-hmm. maybe there is a possibility of doing something with it. But when they said, well, no, it's, you know, the audio quality isn't great. They promised that they would still rip a CD of each side, which I did myself because I had a reel to reel machine. Mm-hmm. But it was the promise of, yeah, we'll make you a digital copy and send it to you. And they never did. Oh, yeah. Like, dude, that's dickish. Really? That's very dickish. Yeah. And then we're like, and if we hear this anywhere out there, because they're, they're very big, the Sinatra folks against the bootleggers. Then they saber rattled. Huh? Uh-huh. So you just, there's no, no good deed going punished. Huh? I know. Wow. That's exactly it. It's like, we weren't yeah. looking for money. Unfortunately, at the time, they're like, oh, you know, what, what would you want anything? It's like, oh, we just you know, kind of wanted to meet Frank. And unfortunately, that was already at the time because this was like 90, maybe 95, 96. Oh. Yeah, he was on the downslide. Yeah, yeah, and that was when, you know, she, again, was honest. Like, he's, you know, the Alzheimer's or dementia that, yeah. you know, was not good. He wasn't, wasn't able to do that. But, you know, if they would have just sent the damn CD that they promised, it would have been. Uh, that would have been nice. Uh-huh. I the saw guy, Frank twice. I saw Frank at Carnegie Hall. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I saw him with uh, Tony Spamante. And uh, his uh, his girlfriend and and my girlfriend and I went to see him and Tony he got the tickets, and um, you know I don't think there's always you know it's always been a thing like was Frank mobbed up or not I don't think I don't think Frank was like a made guy or no. <laughs> anything like that but basically you know what the, the the fact is you can't be in the fucking entertainment business or you couldn't back, be back then and not know some high end hoods because they like entertainment too and, and you know and if like you know. Uh, uh, John Gotti comes backstage and says, hey, can I get a, a selfie with you? What are you going to say? Fuck off. Right. 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 That's I a mean, bad idea. <laughs> it's a bad idea. And I so, think Frank knew it was good for the image to a certain oh, sure, extent. Sure. Sure was. Sure was. So, so Tony had told me, hey, he says, you know, my, my old man got, got these seats. You're, good. You're not going to believe these fucking seats. I said, really? Yeah. Okay. So we drove to Carnegie Hall and Tony's brand new Scoop de, Coupe de Ville had dinner, I think, in the Russian tea room. And holy shit, we had like the Lincoln assassination box. I mean, it was the best fucking seat in the house. I could have reached out and patted his toupee. And Tony said to me, you're going to see, you know, Frank said he's going to, he's going to say hello. I said, really? What are you talking about? So I, I forget what song he was doing, but he, he, he stalked around the stage a lot. Frank, you know, he didn't just stand in the middle of, in front of a mic stand. He moved quite a bit. And, um, at one point, he comes over and he looks. He had, first of all, when they said old blue eyes, his fucking eyes were not of this earth. <laughs> really? They're, it, in person, it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was unsettling. Really. They were like blue fucking lasers. It was weird. It was truly weird. Okay. He stalks over to our side of the stage. He looks up at the box. He looks right at Tony with these fucking ray gun eyes. And then he does the Dick Clark two-fingered salute to his forehead <laughs> and points at Tony like, I got you. And I went, holy shit. He wasn't bullshitting, you know? That is not something you forget. No. No. The There is a uh, story that's out there, which is told by the comedian that opened up for him forever, uh, Tom Dreesen. Oh, yeah. And Pat Cooper used to do a, do a lot of opening for him too. Yeah, two guys. Anyway, Dreesen's yeah. a Chicago guy. He's from out yeah, yeah. in the area yeah. here. Um, but he tells the story. I don't remember exactly where they were for the show. And this was towards the end or getting towards the end of Sinatra's career. And Frank was just having a really bad night. 
could not pick up the words and was just totally lost to the point to where the band just start, you know, stop playing. And Dreesen's like, everybody's backstage. Like, wow, this, this could be it. I mean, this may be the end. And Sinatra just kind of stood there, you know, confused for a minute and started to walk off the stage. And he's like, there's one guy that was up in the back in the, you know, in the nosebleed seats that stood up and yelled, we love you, Frank. It's okay. And Sinatra stopped and he looked up at the guy and he's like, you know, I love you guys too. The band came back in and he nailed it. Wow. And Dreesen's just like, nobody could believe it was just like the guy brought him back. He's like, I have no idea if this guy knows with what Sinatra's state was at that point, that that could have been the end. And that guy yelling, he's like, I really believe, you know, brought him back and he did a few more shows after that, but then it was pretty much it. It was it. You know, when he, when he came out on stage to us, he was probably like in his mid sixties. I mean, he wasn't, he was, but he was still vital. He was moving around real good. And, you know, he, he certainly was, was totally sharp. And I couldn't believe it, man. When he took that stage, the fucking panties that were slingshot onto that stage and hotel keys. I mean, this fucking guy was like a great grandfather and the women, you know, I'm looking at that below and these women are just peeling them off and fling. I mean, holy shit. It was, it was absolutely, I had no idea. I had no idea. Like this is different level. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's interesting when you see that kind of stuff uh, in person and up close. I know my parents tell the story that they went to, uh, I think it's the, the Villa Venice here in Chicago when they did a bunch of these shows and they were just like standing around outside and a guy walks by and my grandmother was with him. She's like, Oh, that guy looks a lot like Dean Martin. And my mom's like, that is Dean Martin. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. That's, but you don't see that, you know, it's like then I'm sure it was a little different. Now everything's like so oversaturated with yeah. the social media, but it's like, yeah, there was a different level of entertaining Oh yeah, back then, and yeah. uh, I'm gonna pull a clip. This is Frank at an Oscars celebration, which I thought was interesting. Just talking about the business of making entertainment, and I guess this was at a point where things were kind of in the toilet because there was actually talk of like government propping this up, which I, I can't even imagine at this point. Well, I can because too big to fail. We've gone through that. Yeah, but I guess maybe back then the movie industry was a part of that. This was at an Oscars with Frank uh, presenting. Before we get on with the big one, I'd like to take this opportunity to level, you might say, to speak for just a second to us, we in the picture business. I, for one, am frankly a little tired of all of the talk about editorials, quote, what's wrong with Hollywood, unquote. I'm sick about hearing of runaway productions and costs and the star system and how we need government subsidies. I know it and you know it, but we need a good pictures. And the way to get good pictures, as I rather, rather obliquely hinted earlier in the evening, is to get back into the Mona Lisa business. Individual pictures, handmade with love and passion and care by individual picture makers. Not by banks or committees or accountants or lawyers or office boys or boards of directors who are really in the real estate business, but by picture makers. Now, I thought that wow. was wow. genius. That, 
eloquence, baby. And I'm sure the, the term hadn't been invented yet, but uh, he could have added focus groups in there as well. <laughs> yes. We don't want the shit that's going to be shoved yeah. down our throats by the corporate mm-hmm. media, yeah. movie makers, music makers. Yeah. Get back in the Mona Lisa business, baby. Yeah. That is cool. What well, a loss. There's no question about it. There were a couple other funny clips. Uh, this one was Martin Short, great comedian, talking about meeting Frank. Yeah. So you're meeting Frank Sinatra. I meet Sinatra. I go up to him. I say, you have no idea how big a fan I am of yours. And he just looks at me and goes, I think I do. Okay, even that alone. Yeah. How fucking cool <laughs> is that? Yeah. Somebody comes up to you. Yeah, you have no idea. I'm such a huge fan. I I no, do. I think I do. who else could pull that off you know yeah maybe elvis could have but yeah who else (laughs) he said what are you drinking kid and i said oh whatever you're drinking frank and so he turns to the bartender says jack daniels and the bartender said straight up or uh on the rocks but i was nervous yeah i thought he said straight up or relaxed So I said, oh, I'll have it relaxed. And he said, straight up on the rock. So I already, I known Frank about 35 seconds. I pissed him off. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I could say, what do you mean relaxed? Frank was very serious about his, uh, about his Jack Daniels. But this one I pulled, this is Frank telling this story. Don Rickles has told this story a bunch, but this was, I I know this one. This is classic. This is this. This says so much about the relationship between Frank Sinatra and Don Rickles. Yeah. And just how they must have been really good friends because Don Rickles lived a lot longer than this event. Can I listen? Can I tell a story about what this man did to me once? You may have known or heard about this. It was a true story. This is a long time ago, long before Don got married. I was eating dinner in a restaurant in New York and, uh, uh, I was sitting with, with some friends, and he came over to the table, and he said, Frank, do me a favor, will you? He said, I'm sitting with a very pretty girl, and uh, I'm trying to make out, you know. And he said, I told her I know you, and she really doesn't believe me. Would you stop by the table? I said, all right. I was just about finished. I was down to the espresso. And I, finally, he went back, and I walked by the table, and I said, how are you, Don? Nice to see you. He said, can't you see I'm eating, Frank? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I, went, I went for the whole thing. You stood with my mouth open. Only Don Rickles could do that and live. Yeah. But that's the greatest. I mean, you just, I mean, you just talked about how much of a thrill it was that Frank would even acknowledge your presence. Can you just imagine? I'm too busy eating Frank. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Rickles was great, man. I mean, God, those guys, it's, it's just so sad. You know, the only throwback kind of that age, I I caught um, Sebastian Maniscalco just had a special on uh, Netflix. I think it's like his fourth or fifth one. And he's definitely of that ilk, you know, Chicago guys, Goomba. Um, and it was very good. And he, the, the kickoff was he comes, he comes out in a fucking tuxedo. Nice. Yeah. And he, and the whole thing was, he said, you know, I it was of course shot in Vegas and he said, I, I missed the old Vegas and it was a very clever opening. They had all these classic pictures of the Rat Pack, which you would recognize instantaneously, except I think it was mostly they, they photoshopped out Peter Lawford and plugged in <laughs> Sebastian, nice. right? You know, mugging it up and cheating. It was funny as shit. And he, he basically said, you know, I just miss the really good old days when, when Vegas was Vegas and entertainment was a, was a different thing. And, he, and I guess he had asked the audience or whatever. They said, you know, dress up, dress to impress, whatever. 
And so they, they turned the camera on the audience and I'd say maybe a third of the people were pretty well decked out. But then, then he goes, of course, some of you people didn't get the message and there's some fucking slob, you know, t-shirt and his belly hanging out over his gym shorts. You know? Right. Um, but which is Vegas yeah. now, which is, which is Vegas now. Sadly. Yes, yes, yes. It's Vegas now, but it was a pretty good show. He's, he's, uh, he's, you know, he's old school. Maniscalco. He is, he's, he does good stuff. Yeah. We need more people to hearken back yes. to that. Agreed. And I do have one more clip here, which I, this was from Sinatra's final interview, which I was watching parts of this. I went down that rabbit hole while looking for clips and I'm like, well, mm-hmm. oh, I'm like Sinatra, Sinatra. Sinatra was way more entertaining than uh, anything else, but this was him talking to Larry King. And I thought it was interesting because he was talking about somebody writing a tell-all book and you know talked about with himself and then uh at the time this was when ronald reagan's kid wrote a book that was very non-flattering and oh yeah i was just hit by the difference we have in the world now because of course then there was no twitter there was no social media there was no way to to get this kind of stuff out there you know, basically without writing a book or if you were able to get a column in a newspaper, how much easier it's become with the technology that we have now to, you know, I don't want to use the word misinformation, but to spread lies and Mm -hmm. to, you know, do things that could tarnish somebody's reputation without having anything to back it up. When we spoke on the phone last week, you were hysterical. You know, sometimes you don't know how funny you are, but you said, Larry, on your show, can we say the words pimps and whores? Right. And since I just said it, it's obviously okay. Mm-hmm. What were we referring to? Well, I, uh, I, had, I did an interview uh, not long ago about uh, my, what I'm doing, my work, and so on and so forth. And uh, uh, we got around to discussing um, people who are writing kiss and tell books. That's really what started the whole thing. And I said uh, that kiss and tell books, I have another name for people who write those kind of books, and they're pimps and whores, because they can't write their own name to earn a living properly. They got to lean on somebody else. And they know nothing about uh, the person of whom they've written, really don't know. They just read uh, newspaper clips and they write a story. And fortunately and unfortunately, but more fortunately, that we have the right to say whatever we want in our country, which I agree with. And uh, I just I just feel that uh, there's that element that, that which brought about the title of pimps and horrors. Right. You told me once that people who make a living off other people's fortunes or misfortunes yes. are parasites in a They're sense. Right. Uh, why don't you respond to them sooner? When a book was written about you, why didn't you come out? And not get because when when the personality written about doesn't come out, isn't there an assumption? Oh, I agree that there's probably a large assumption. But uh, with uh, advice from, from uh, family members and, uh, and an attorney and so on and so forth, it turned out that if, I mean, we didn't take a vote, but if we had, uh, uh, answering that would have lost. Would have lost? It would have lost. I mean, I wouldn't have answered it anyway, because I, we would have agreed, don't, don't answer it, just be quiet about it. I hope that she made, she had a lot of fun with the money she made by, by writing a lot of crap that she wrote about, which really what it, what it all, most of it was anyway. How about the pain, though? 
It wasn't too bad. Didn't harm you? Nah, it didn't really sting me that much. I've been whacked around before. Yeah, I've been whacked around. So what he was talking about was two things. The Streisand effect, which hadn't been named yet. Right. Basically, that was his option not to respond. And I think the author of the book was, that was Kitty Kelly, who wrote a book called My Way. Right. Or His Way, I'm sorry. It was called His Way. And she just savaged him. And it was allegedly a lot of, a lot of bullshit, some truth, but a lot of, uh, a lot of untruth in there. So, But that's very, I mean, now you're expected to do this stuff instantaneously because instead right. of a book, somebody wrote, mm-hmm. you know, puts a tweet out about you. Yeah. And it's like, well, why aren't you responding? It's like, but why, why would you? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, if it's so, you know, it yeah. gives, just gives so much credence to it. Just gives it oxygen. Yeah, exactly. And that listening to this, it was just like, wow, what a different world it was and how much easier it got for all of this bad stuff to get around the world even quicker. I mean, the genie's not going back in the bottle. No, we know that. But it is uh, it was just interesting that this was the big deal. Like, okay, there's the kiss and tell books. It's like, well, now this is what everybody is doing. From TMZ as a, you know, uh, you know, organization doing it, but that is all social media is. And that's why people can't go out to a club or a bar, because if you're a celebrity, you're going to wind up on Instagram or Twitter, or you're going to wind up on TikTok. And if somebody's going to try to, you know, push you into being a dick just so they can be like, oh, let me show you him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, and he's, he's right too, he, he, or he's not wrong, certainly about saying these people are, you know, they, I guess the, the first uh, pejorative for them was the word muckrakers going back, you know, right. two centuries, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you, there's no comparing these people with some legitimate, um, say, a novelist who really has to create stuff out of the ether. It's, it's, it's just so easy to just land upon somebody and, and savage them. Um, and um, and piss on their reputation who they are. I mean, that's that's yes. hard to do, is it? No, and it's this is where news, even as a whole, Glenn Beck. I'm on his mailing list, and the like the the headline today, the subject was something like alleged, you know, ele- something allegedly to a 14 year old girl, or did something. And I'm like, I don't want any story that is alleged. If you mm-hmm. can prove it, that's great. Right. But I'm tired of the alleged and the, you know, nameless sources and all that. Yes. Innuendo. Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah. And uh, DigiGuru points out that uh, Meniscalco is Mm -hmm. from the uh, Chicago Burbs here, right where he's here. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of talent here in Chicago. Yeah. It's funny thing. He's, he's, and when you hear him talk, his, his, uh, his accent is like uh, it's a, it's almost a mix of there's some there's a, he definitely has a Chicago's A's you know no <laughs> it's it's like listening to uh, who the hell was that guy who was uh, he was like hit the cl- the classic Chicago accent uh, Dennis Farina right right um, yeah or or that, the guys on this SNL when they would do the Bears yeah right you get, yeah you get that but then he's got like the New York thing he's dropping some of his R's and like what the fuck it maybe he lived in New York for a while too or his parents were I don't know. But uh, that could yeah. do it. It's always amazing. Our uh, the the lady that does the intro there with our names, Jennifer Buchanan. Mm-hmm. She has a definite Southern accent now, but that's not where she was born or grew up. I think you just live anywhere long enough. You pick it up. 
You do. And it's like, well, that's what everybody sounds like around here. So I want to fit in and mm-hmm. you don't want, yeah. although Tina Forti, I think she can move anywhere and she's, she's keeping the, <laughs> Tina. you'll know where she's from. No question about it. But we do have a few people to thank. This is a value for value podcast. After all, it is. We put them out there and we hope that people got some value out of listening to the show. And even though uncle Joey has totally ruined the economy, and we know it's hard for people to put food on their table. If you can show some value back, we appreciate it. And there's a few people today that have, including coming in with a $10 and one cent. I believe this is a new monthly donation from our buddy. Maybe it was last month from uh, Srinivas Murti. I oh, just like to say Srini because it's easier. Srini. Yeah. Thank you, Srini. Thank you. We appreciate that. Tim Hazel coming in with 10 Thank bucks. You, I think that's monthly. Thank you, Tim. And our buddy, of course, Captain Oblivious, which is a great name. There should be a comic strip. There should be. Or, you know, maybe a Marvel movie of Captain Oblivious. <laughs> and just have like crime going on, like right around yes. them. And they yes, just really like that. They sit there. Well, that could be a nickname for Joey, too. That could be. And, you know, CSB, he does have that ability to draw. Maybe he can, he yeah. can pump out a Captain Oblivious strip. Yes. Because he also came in with some Satoshis, but. Uh, I mean, CSB, the 15,033 Satoshis due to the recent downturn in the crypto market is like $2 and 56 cents. When we started the show, it was like three fifty. Well, I could, we could split a box of Tic Tacs for that. Maybe <laughs> not. Be, yeah. But not the super family size. No, 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 no. He has <laughs> a note, of course, because it's always the guy with the Satoshis that has the note. Yeah. He says, Darren, Larry, artificial intelligence is no match for natural stupidity. Mm-hmm. And that I believe that I believe I don't, you know, I don't think AI can solve natural stupidity, although AI can probably set a part some or set into effect something that will kill all of humanity. So maybe that would be <laughs> how it takes care of everybody. I mean, really, do you want like your cars? If you had like a Tesla, would you want the car to become sentient? Like, I think the guy driving is kind of a dick. So let me just take care of this. Yeah, it'll happen sooner or later. If not, there'll be another comic strip about that. Yeah. So after you're done laughing at cartoons at www.csb.lol, concentrate on putting AI.cooking into your web browsers or podcast app of choice. Insightful information about AI awaits you. So join the 5% of humanity responsibly aware of impending takeover by the singularity. Yo, wait, the singularity is taking over. I, I mean, I need to listen then. That's what they say to hear. I guess now that Gwyth is writing mm-hmm. allegedly this, uh, this text, he yes, does not become him. a lot more ominous. Hasn't it? Yes. It's become yeah. more ominous and we, we don't have the self engrandizing silky voice of Gregory William Forsyth Foreman. So, I mean, come on, Gwef, give yourself a little pat on the back. It's okay. Yeah. You're carrying that show. You're the voice of CSB, which I don't know if you want that responsibility, but you are the voice of CSB. We thank everybody for listening to the show, for contributing. It is all very much appreciated. If you want to take part in this great experiment that is value, value for value, go to planetrage.show slash donate there's a donate button there's a p.o box address there's more information than you need to know about crypto 
And if you are in the podcasting 2.0 space, you can go to, well, if you're not, then you can go to newpodcastapps.com, get an app like Podverse or one of the other great things. I mean, what is it like CurioCaster, Breeze? There's a bunch of them. Yes. And we did get a boostergram too from C Brooklyn that just said this is enraging while we were talking about something earlier. And I'm guessing it was the teacher, but yeah, I, I didn't see probably. that when it popped up. But I, I'm glad you were enraged at that as well, because there's a lot of insanity going on in the world. And that's why we're here every Monday mm-hmm. to talk about the insanity, to try to add a little bit of a comedic edge to it. Because sometimes you just need to laugh. One o'clock central. It's where you want to be right here on the mighty no agenda stream. And if you miss it, then you can just go to planet rage, you know, while you're putting AI dot cooking into your favorite browser or into your favorite podcasting app, make sure you put planet rage in. So you never miss an episode. Make sure you put that Larry show in. So you never miss an episode and random thoughts. And you know, the other 4,000 shows that you know, Darren O'Neill shows. Yeah. yeah I need it. The Darren O'Neill network. I do. I need the network. I need to just keep branching out <laughs> 24 hours a day, seven days a week which I'm sure I've mentioned before when people ask that, you know, like in mainly in the family or friends like to ask my wife, well, do you listen to his podcast? She's like, no, I get the 24 seven feed. So, um, you, don't you need that. You, you need an umbrella logo, you know, for like to, to, to sort of identify all of these, these, uh, various shows that you do. And then you also need sort of a musical fanfare. <laughs> to brand them as well like you remember i don't know do they still do it on nbc it was like bong 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 right there. right something to Which, kind of incorporate them all together yeah here's some hot trivia for you Uh-oh. those three notes yes that that, that form the the nbc uh, fanfare those notes are gec right because the original corporation was general electric, electric. company uh, oh that's interesting there you go so they were actually meant something until uh yes yes until NBC became the communist haven that it currently is. Correct. But as uh, Frank was pointing out, even back in his day, mm-hmm. these corporations were in trouble because they were producing crap. Yes, of course. And it has not gotten better. It has mm-hmm. not gotten better. I don't really consume a lot. I just go by things like hearing my mom complain about the latest movies on the Hallmark channel and how woke oh. they are. And yeah. <laughs> it's like, why? I mean, I'm not saying you have to exclude or never tell any of those more fringe stories, but understand that they are still fringe stories and people just want, you know, in a Christmas movie, just something cute Mm -hmm. without a lot of people preaching to them about why they're bad and how much more woke they can be, which is why I think podcasting is doing very well. I mean, I don't know if podcasting is making a lot of money, but I know that podcasting as far as filling up people's entertainment time Mm -hmm. has skyrocketed in the last few years. Yes. Because it's competing with, well, it's better overall, I believe than what you hear on your normal talk radio and it's, it's easier to consume. Oh yeah. So make sure you tip your podcasters people. And more importantly than that, when you're around the dinner table at uh, Christmas or your New Year's parties, 
Talk about the shows you listen to. Turn some more people onto the shows. Yes. And, and best of all, when you hear something you like, send a, send a link to your friends with your highest recommendation. That's how things get viral. Exactly. Yeah. Any idea what's coming up on that Larry show I this week, depending sure, on what's going viral? I sure do, Darren. Do you know that it was six years ago this very week in the year 2016 where the very first episode of that Larry show was posted? Wow. Surviving the holidays. Yes. And uh, if you want to give that a listen, find out how uh, how things have changed over, over six years, you can. And it, kind of a, a tradition was established then, sort of the centerpiece. Of uh, of that episode was oh, the Charlie I, Brown. <laughs> Charlie Brown. I I, I musically I, I re reimagined uh, that Charlie Brown dirge uh, from all his cartoons and and helped with his assistance assisted suicide. Yeah, which Canada has really caught on over the last six yeah, years. They're, they they I, must listen to that Larry show. Maybe I'm the trendsetter. And then the following year, I came out with another. One. It was this one was very razzmatazz. It was uh, scandal clauses coming to town done in, in the style of Lou Rawls. And this was at the, high, the the dawn of the Me Too age. If you recall, there was a time when it, it's just like they were falling like nine pins. You had Weinstein and Matt Lauer and Gareth Keeler. All these guys were playing grab ass and getting, so it was scandal clauses coming to town. And so with this show, we're going to take a you know peek over the cheek at some past episodes. And I have a new musical production, Joey, the Soup-Brained Leader. Ooh, and as you know, I don't use backing tracks or karaoke. This is all going to be me on my uh, my Rickenbacker, my Telecaster, and you're going to dig it. So there, custom music. You got to tune custom in, music baby. Custom music to so. thatlarryshow.com, and then go over to Patreon and become a member. Become a member, yes. Join the Take No Shit Dojo. So what about random thoughts? What do you got, Darren? I was just thinking there's never been a That Larry Show put out when I had two good eyes. So, I mean, that shows you how long that's going back. (laughs) Because that was six years, and that started in in September, I think. So that was, uh, that's when all the fun started. Yeah. For random thoughts, I don't know. It's always, it's always a, uh, I mean, I'm not even usually 100% sure if I'm going to do it on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. It's it's kind of nicer to do it on a Tuesday, but then it's like it seems like every day I've got something. But we had, you know, toilets put in last Tuesday. So I think I talked about that last Wednesday. Yeah, how'd that all go down smoothly or what? Yeah, that went nice and smooth. Good. Now uh yeah, and what about your tooth? That's still in exactly I'm not having any more issues, but it's still having the same issue and i do have an appointment on the 23rd with the dentist so i'm going to have a christmas miracle wow and i'm going to see uh one more time if they have a solution otherwise once the new year hits i'll be going to a different dentist for a different second mm-hmm. opinion on all, on all of that yeah so it hasn't wow. really been actively anything new or a problem because you know they were like well that upper tooth is probably going to start giving you problem so we should probably pull that it's like well that hasn't happened yet so mm. that's kind of kind of questionable yeah and uh you know how doctors are i don't know you know it's well the, as a guy you knew you know used to say well they're they're uh they may not be wrong but they're never in doubt right oh, they, may, they may not be right excuse me but they're never in doubt that was the quotation that's pretty true you yeah. can't act like you're i mean really you have to somehow convince the people that you know what you're doing whether you do or not i guess yeah yeah a terrible thing so whatever random thing comes to mind that's what you'll get 
over on random thoughts, which may suck. So go hear Larry sing and pick no, that guitar I've, first. I've never missed an episode of random thoughts. I, it's always good. Always a listen. So be there. So be square. <laughs> it is appreciated. And we will be back here next week on Monday. That will be the 19th. And I'm guessing the week after is, is that a take a day off? We sh- maybe should have done this well, off. I better look at my cal- calendar. The here. day after Christmas will be the next Ooh, the one. The day after Christmas. Wow. Yeah. I don't Yeah, idea. Yeah. I'm we, game, but, uh, you know, whatever you feel. Well, we will figure it out and we'll know by next Monday. We'll know by next Monday. Yeah. Let's leave that as a dangling uh, participle. How about that? <laughs> well, yeah. if we only had an English teacher that was teaching <laughs> us English, <laughs> yeah. we'd be in good shape. We would. U.S. strikes back, killing a member of the Islamic State. Who's going to go? Whole world going to shit.